Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. It's tough. I mean, keep keep it real. Like, we all had higher expectations for where we are supposed to be this season. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, we're welcoming in Dieter today to answer a bunch of questions that are going to define who the hell the Warriors are and will be. And I can't wait. His answers will mean the world to me. But I wanted to start today's show with a major announcement. Boys, we have formed a partnership with the Athletic Club Oakland, which is a local sports bar I love. And we're going to be recording live episodes there. But more importantly, this is now our go-to spot to watch Warrior games with Warrior fans and still stay safe. To be honest, I'm already kind of screwing this partnership up. I actually went to them about doing an ad, which I'm pretty sure is not how it's supposed to go. But look, I love what they're doing. And it's worth the role reversal. Uh, put really simply, man, COVID has taken so much from us. And one of the main things that's taken from my life is the ability to watch sports with friends. And the Athletic Club is giving that back to us. They shut down their entire side street, not the parking spots on the street. I'm not talking about a parklet. They shut down the street itself and created this huge outdoor space that they covered with fake grass and called the town gardens where you can now eat, drink, and watch the game, any game, including Warriors games, with friends while still keeping safe and socially distanced. It's big, it's comfortable, it's full of huge televisions, and it's a spot where we can invite people we know and enjoy sports together. Man, it's been too long. Get out there, join us, enjoy this opportunity they've created. So, we are now, gentlemen, officially Athletic Club Oakland people. I, I couldn't be more fired up about it. I love it. I love it. They got Thrive City in front of Chase Center. This is like Thrive Town. Let's go. All right. Let's, uh, let's welcome in Dieter and uh, see what he has to say. Boys, I am excited to announce rejoining us a Golden State beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, a former senior writer for Fox Sports, a host of KNBR's and Locker Room's Airwaves, and a guy fresh off getting vaccinated for COVID, Mr. Dieter Kartenbach. 
How's it going? Hey, that was a that was a hell of an intro. Yeah, that's the first time. So we've been playing around with this intro music every time we do one of those intros, but yeah. we've never actually done it when the person was listening. We always kind of throw it in afterwards. Right. And then Maxime and I were talking, like, dude, that's this awesome effect that they never even get to <laughs> hear. So we threw it on on this one. But let the record reflect, and unless it was different for you, that yeah. music was hell of loud. It so, was I hell mean, of loud. Okay, yeah, hell no, of loud. It, it was, so for it was you, cutting itself out based on my headphones and the noise cancellation feature okay, on exactly. Zoom and all right, all right. It was fascinating stuff. But I, you know, anytime I get I get two notes of uh, of thunder struck and I'm ready to rumble. Boom. <laughs> yeah, well, what you may not have been able to hear while we were trying to flex our technological prowess <laughs> was that the final thing I threw out for your uh, your introduction here is that you're a guy fresh off getting vaccinated for COVID yeah. and, that, and that second shot, man. I, I just let me say, just from the the sound of your voice, you sound really healthy and just ready to rock, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's the hope, right? Uh, we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow when the the nanobots kick in and start eating all of my insides. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been super straightforward, man. Um, you know, I had a I was a little bit groggy after the first one. That could have been also because you know I went pretty hard uh, the weekend before I got the final COVID vaccine. Not sure why. Not sure why I didn't just wait until afterwards. But uh, yeah, this this one uh, feeling good, feeling really good. So highly recommended. I mean. It, just uh i don't know I, i'm a big fan of making sure that i'm immune from deadly diseases i'm not sure if you guys have heard but there's a virus going around and I, yeah, i'd like okay, to be protected show against off. it okay i mean not all of us are vaccinated here let you me, guys let me can ask. i just hit me up and by the way anybody out there who's listening just hit me up uh this is something that i do to procrastinate slash help uh anytime i can put some help in procrastination it's a good thing uh i, I got all the tools and all the bots going and i can help you out uh, be a second set of eyes, second set of hands to help anybody okay. in, in California gets vaccinated. So hit me up on DM anytime, and uh, I am down to get a shot in your arm because I am part of the New World Order. You are making me feel bad about this next comment, but I'm going to say it anyways, man. I mean, it is what it is. You've been super sweet to offer that, but I'll, I'll put it out into the universe. Uh, let me set up uh, to see whether or not they agree with me. Marcus, Maxime, am I right? You guys have not been vaccinated either? I have actually. I have my second one on oh, Friday. Marcus, my man. God there damn. Go. Okay, Maxime, am I the only one, dude? Have you been vaccinated? <laughs> no, I have not, and I'm okay. pretty jealous right now. Okay, that's that's what I was going to ask you. So I feel like normal human beings. We should all be rooting for the human race. We want everyone to be vaccinated, and it turns out Marcus and Dieter are ahead of us. We should be happy for them. But whenever I hear that people I know, or even just people I don't know, when right. I hear that other people have gotten these COVID vaccines and I haven't, my first reaction is like jealous resentment. Dude, I feel like I'm in the middle of a house fire and everybody else has fire suits and I have nothing. Is that wrong? Like, am I a sick f to feel that way or no. is this normal, man? No, it's totally normal, man. There, there's no there's no shame in feeling jealous, but just know that uh, in a short period of time, we're going to get you hooked up. I, I would bet. There you go. I would bet that in less than a month, you have at least one shot in your arm, and that's all we need. So um, <laughs> it, just, just be a little bit more patient. We're going to get to that point and then we're going to party. Well, I just want you to know that I'm not jealous at all of you, Dieter, and I'm just really supportive, man. You know, that's that's phenomenal. <laughs> Most Boy. people are not jealous of me, so get in line. <laughs> Boys, let's jump in, and I am going to dispense with the glass half full today, partially because there's not a lot of real positive things to talk about in Warriors land, but mainly because I'm really excited for our main topic, and it's this. Topic is called Big Picture, principally because I couldn't think of a more snappy title, and the idea is obvious. I've come up 
with a handful of real large topic questions that are designed, hopefully, I mean, we'll see, but are designed to give us a sense not only where the Warriors are now, but where we can expect them to go. And let me give you the first, because I am really excited for your opinions on these, Dieter. I, I, this isn't shocking, but our show is occasionally relentlessly optimistic. Too much <laughs> so, you know? I mean, and, and I drive a lot of that. Um, right. But I follow you on Twitter, I follow your work, and you are a lot more realistic. You're not negative, but you also aren't a homer. You know, but so I, I'm, I, appreci- I'm just... I appreciate that greatly. I, yeah. I figured that you guys were doing pessimism, so you brought in your pessimist friend Dieter to. Okay, to I help didn't, you didn't out. want to say that. That's that's a little bit more accurate. But you know, whatever, <laughs> potato, potato, right? It would uh, suck but... if I wasn't right so often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's not go so far. This fool's breaking his arm to pat himself on the back. I haven't even given you a question yet, but let me give you one. <laughs> Only my right arm. My left arm has a shot in it. <laughs> How good is James Wiseman? So I've got some follow-ups, right? Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll define that. But just your first impression. You hear that. What do you say? Uh, the, the thing that comes through my mind a lot when watching James Wiseman, and this is even amid uh, the, the struggles, is that he is a beautiful basketball player. That if you were doing some 2K creative player stuff and you were looking to, to build a center, you'd make one that looks an awful lot like James Wiseman. And with his ability to, in theory, score at three levels, um, he, he could be a truly spectacular basketball player. Now, the issue is he just turned 20. Uh, he, I, I think it is indisputable at this juncture that he is further behind than the Warriors expected him to be given the amount of games that he's played. We know the setbacks that he's had, um, obviously with missing training camp and then missing, uh, you know, pretty significant stretches of time throughout the season, but just given the number of games, given the amount of experience that he has given the amount of minutes that he's played, I, I don't think that they're thrilled with where he's at, that they would have expected him to come along a little bit farther. And, um, I, I, I still maintain that he has an all-star ceiling. I don't think that any of the ceiling conversation that you could have had about James Wiseman pre-draft, post-draft, whatever, has changed. Um, All of that talent is still there. No one was sold a false bill of goods on the high end of James Wiseman. But you can be a little bit more skeptical right now on if he's going to reach that talent and if he is going to be a player on par with a Joel Embiid because that's honestly what the Warriors need. And uh, at 20 years old, it would be aggressive and foolhardy to say, oh, he's a finished product. He's not going to get there. But you can, you can, you can have a little bit of trepidation, right? I, I don't like to judge anybody before they can legally drink at a bar in the United States. That's just kind of a, a general rule for me. Um, but man, we got one year to figure figure out if if he can or he can't. And uh, again, I, I just I, I look at it and I go, man, he could be really spectacular. I would just have liked to have seen a little bit more right now. Give me, um, tour me through your optimism. Yeah, I heard you use the word spectacular twice there, and I love it. Uh, yeah. What have you seen that makes you optimistic about that ceiling that we all you know thought about when he was drafted at number two? Well, think about just the athleticism of this yeah. kid. Um, this is a guy who we can argue that the coordination isn't all the way there, right? Like we can, we can look at some of these games and say, man, he doesn't really catch the ball all that well. Or, you know, his feet get a little bit lost underneath him at times. But his ability to go, you know, as we've seen a few times this year, kind of Giannis coast to coast, get a block, get the ball, go coast to coast, Euro step into a dunk. His ability to... uh 
it hasn't really worked yet, but spin. I mean, this is stuff that seven footer, seven foot one guys don't generally have the ability to do. He's a gazelle. He has uh, just incredible athletic ability, athletic ability that nobody else on the Warriors, including Steph, has. And it's not even particularly close, including Wiggins, who's an incredible athlete, including Ubre, who's an incredible athlete. The Warriors are far more athletic than they have been in, in prior years. And James Wiseman is far and away the alpha of that group. So, um, it comes down to refinement in those. So I, again, when you're dealing with somebody who has no effective college experience, he played one real collegiate game uh, against Oregon. He wasn't very good in that. Uh, this is a kid who, you know, did well in the AAU circuit. Don't get me wrong, but was also, you know, playing high school basketball in the Nashville area. Not exactly, you know, a hotbed of talent around there. This is a kid who has been really thrown into the deep end immediately and uh, is in a system that requires so much of him. Uh, I don't know if the system uh, has been pared down or whatever. I don't even know if you can call what the Warriors are doing now a system anymore. But uh, he has been he has been given a very difficult test very early in his career. So it's not surprising to me that his head is spinning a little bit. But there are just these moments, these flashes that you see him figure some stuff out. That's something that he didn't do correctly the game prior or even the quarter prior. He is able to then piece together the next go around. And you just hope to stack those successes on top of each other because there are going to be few players, if any, in the NBA who can match this guy on just a man-to-man basis. Um, And and again, I, I, I hate to draw in these lofty comparisons, but there just aren't that many players in the NBA that are as big and athletic and mobile and smooth as he is when he is at his absolute best. And that's not something that you can, you know, poo poo because at some point athleticism is the great differentiator in the NBA, but we got to get this kid up to the point where that athleticism then separates them because right now the athleticism is the only thing keeping them on the floor. It's the marble from which this statue will be created, right? 100%. It's just not there. Um, 100%. I, I agree with both points you're making, man. Let me start with the I agree that I don't think the Warriors are happy with where he's at, or at least don't think that he's developed as quickly as they thought that he would. Yes. And we don't have to guess on that, right? They, they no. changed how they're developing him. In the beginning of the year, it looked like they were going to give him very specific small things to do. Mm-hmm. And then after the break, they literally came out and said, all right, we're, you know, we're <laughs> going to let him play. We'll let him play through right. uh, mistakes. And the reason they're doing that is because they're not happy with where he's at. Um, and then as far as like instant analysis, so sh- I'll admit to you, I have no idea how diamonds are mined. I assume <laughs> that they are mined out of a mountain. I don't know if I'm yes. right, but here's yes. why I say that. All right. What he reminds me of is a diamond that has been mined halfway out of the mountain. Mm. You know, we, we can see enough of it where we get a sense of its value. And we, we have at least enough information to say, yeah, that's going to be really valuable. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we need that diamond right now. You know, yes. the, the, the Warriors are trying to build another crown for Steph. They need this jewel to put in it, but yeah. unfortunately it's still in the mountain, which is a problem. Uh, MT, where are you on this? I mean, just big, bright, instant opinion on Wiseman right now. I mean, I agree with Dieter. I think it, it's, I'm not completely out on him, but there are a few things that give me a little cause for concern. Um, I, I think Dieter's point about the system is one where I, I feel like that's holding him back. The Warriors have never been a system that is great for centers. You know, it's, we're built around 
Steph and Clay and Draymond and having these amazing shooters, um, we were most successful when we had like the Bogut's. You know, and they set screens and they are amazing passers at the elbow and then they play really good defense. And those are things that James Wiseman just doesn't excel at yet. And, you know, even you put a DeMarcus Cousins, who's offensively like super talented, you put him on our squad and health issues aside, like he still can even really crack that code yet of how to work his game into our system. So I think it's a tall ask to get a 20 year old to figure out how to work his game into this free-flowing system that really isn't built around maximizing the center position in that way but i think his athleticism is crazy you know has crazy potential but i look at some of the top centers right now um you know and anthony davis obviously is really athletic but you know like Jokic is the opposite he's probably the least athletic (laughs) player out there and he's you know like one of the front runners for the MVP so you know athleticism at that position even Joel Embiid I think I wouldn't call him athletic but I think Joel Embiid's footwork is amazing it's Mm. like you know uh, a few steps below Olajuwon which is saying a lot so I think um, you know there's there's no cause for concern in terms of um, should did we pick the wrong guy? You know, like Anthony Edwards is in a situation with a terrible Minnesota team where he has to be a scorer and he's getting crazy minutes. Lamelo Ball played professionally, um, whether it was a great league or not. He still went up against grown men all the time while mm-hmm. Wiseman was at home playing video games. So, you know, I, I think it's an unfair comparison. Um, I just I would like to see him be a little more aggressive and be a little sharper in the areas where it fits with the Warriors need, which is that amazing passer at the elbow, setting really good screens, slipping them, and then able to use that athleticism on the defensive end, which still leaves a lot to be desired right now. No doubt. I mean, the problem with the system is that right, it, this is Steph's car, right? More than anything. Yes, you're mm-hmm. right. It was it was centered around shooting, but they have a franchise superstar, and this system maximizes that franchise superstar's strengths. But you know, if, if we're looking to develop somebody, this system is probably better suited to develop Jordan Poole, which is exactly what we're seeing mm-hmm. as opposed to James Wiseman. In fact, there's been all of these times, and maybe I'm, I'm just being too critical, but I feel like where Wiseman is running the floor, doing everything he can, puts himself in a post or, or beats his man down the, the floor, but still isn't seeing the ball because that's not what the Warriors system is designed to do. It's designed to get three or four passes before they put up a shot. So it's, it's not his fault, but it is something that is limiting his development. I think there's one thing to, to go beyond that. I, the Warriors really tried to shoehorn Wiseman in at the beginning of the season, right? Yep. And they really tried to manufacture touches for him, get him opportunities to get the ball in his hands. And regardless of the system, um, he didn't take the most of those opportunities. And there was a lot of fumbling and there was a lot of bad shot taking. And it was yep. it was kind of a hot mess. And you could see the veteran Warriors, how few of them there are left, kind of just decide, man, I don't need to deal with this. Like, I'm not here to babysit this kid. Uh, If he's open, I'll give it to him. But I'm not going to, we're not going to feed him. We're not going to feed him. That's not what we do here. That's not a winning formula for us. And then the Warriors went away from that. And now they're back with him in the starting lineup, but they're not really feeding him. And he just feels like kind of a bystander. And to go off of Marcus's point, he's 100% right. Like the one thing 
that the Warriors want from their center in this offense, the Steve Kerr optimal offense, is the ability to pass. And that's what they were able to do for years and years and years. Now, there were some guys who were pick and roll guys typically played with the bench units, things like that. But when you're playing with Steph Curry, it's your job to be the facilitator, usually in the high post. That's the absolute last thing that James Wiseman is going to provide the Golden State Warriors. And they should have known that well before they drafted him. So if they don't want to change the system, at least a little bit, if not a lot of it, uh, to better better utilize the skill sets that James Wiseman at least can get on the court at this age and at this point of his development. If they don't want to do that, then they're really trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And that's not fair to the kid. And it's not fair to the other, you know, 13 members of the Warriors. Do you think he can become a franchise player? If, if the idea of this is that, you know, look, he's not fitting this system, but just wait, just wait. Maybe yeah. we'll win one more with, with Kerr and then, I'm sorry, with Curry. And then we, we <laughs> change the system. Flip. Yeah, we, we change the system and we focus on Wiseman's talents. It, is that a pipe dream or do you see, you know, if, if before you were talking about his ceiling, does mm-hmm. that ceiling in your mind incorporate franchise level talents? It would be ridiculous to say it's not feasible. It is possible. I would not bet on it at all. And this is not a knock on Wiseman in particular. This is a knock on the center position as a whole. Um, I don't think that you can build around a five and that you can rely on a five in the modern game. And I know that Embiid and Jokic are out here sort of (laughs) proving this thesis wrong, but um I mean, Embiid is the only one who plays on both sides of the court. I mean, Jokic is still a a kind of laughable defensive liability. He's just such a brilliantly gifted offensive player with an offensive game that is more Dirk Nowitzki than it is Hakeem Olajuwon, even though the foot, you know, the footwork is incredible. And, and um, it, like the last true five might be Joel Embiid um, or I guess Rudy Gobert, who I don't know what you're getting from him on offense when going gets tough. I, I just... This is a wing league through and through. It was a center league for decades, and then it became a point guard league. And in the last decade, it has become a wing league, even as you know the proliferation of the three-point offense goes and goes and goes and will continue to go. It's all about guys who can guard, switch, who can switch when they guard and knock down three-pointers or get their own shots come playoff time. Um, while I do think that Wiseman has the ability to do things like that, to build around a center moving forward. And I wrote this before the draft when it was plainly obvious that the Warriors were going to do it. And I just say, I have to, I have to get this off my chest before they actually take this kid before it then becomes personal. Um, You can't build around a center moving forward. You just take the wing. You take the person who can give you everything. And I knew they weren't going to do it, but I had to get it out there just to make sure that I was on the record. And it's, this is not an anchoring thing. I'm looking for reasons to buy into Wiseman. I really am because I think he's a really sharp kid. Uh, it obviously uh, would be great for the Warriors. Uh, and as I've explained on this podcast before, I'm not afraid to say that I'm a bit of a homer when it comes to Golden State. I'm just not going to overlook clear flaws. Uh, I, w- I would love it if James Wiseman could turn into that guy. Again, I don't think that it's impossible that he does, but a center in the modern game, a center who I don't know how much development he's actually going to get here in this system. I mean, just everything is stacked against him right now. So I would put it at less than a 5% chance if I was, if I was handicapping it. And, and that's a big issue. 
Maxime, where are you at on this? Are, are you a Wiseman guy going forward? Give us uh, your overall take. Yeah, I mean, in part, I have to defend the fact that I strongly advocated for picking him um, the couple okay. of days leading up to the draft. But I, I also, I do think, look, I mean, he's got three college games under his belt. Kid just turned 20 years old. He didn't have a summer league or even a training camp, you know, and now he's being thrust into a starting lineup. I mean, everything that's been discussed so far is, is completely accurate. Um, I am absolutely nervous about building around a center. Uh, I think we're going to get some more cracks to the draft this year um, that are hopefully going to lead to some really good picks. There's a whole other question of whether or not it makes sense to develop that many, or if it's even possible for the Warriors to develop that many young players while also trying to pursue um, a successful postseason with people in their 30s. Um, but I think he has so much talent and potential um, you know, from, from his game on and off ball that I'm willing to at least give him this summer you know, like, let's talk this time next year. Does, does anybody, any of you three gentlemen, um, do you believe that next year, right? So what we've all really been doing is treading water. This year's Warrior season is, you know, fun to watch. But the second Clay got hurt, <laughs> we, we gave up title aspirations. Everyone's looking at next year. Right. So, you know, best case scenario, Wiseman adds some uh, development. He adds some muscle. He spends the entire summer doing everything he needs to do. He's working with everybody. Do you guys think he can develop enough between now and next season where he is contributing to a title run? I, I think he absolutely could. I, I do think the summer league and training camp have a, a chance of being extremely fruitful for him and getting a, a sense of normalcy and some real hands-on. I, I think back to the post all-star game practice that he had to miss because he missed the COVID tests and, you know, Kerr was livid and everyone was like, you're, you're really laying it on here pretty strong, Steve. And even I was like, Man, this is, they're really, I mean, they're kind of being rude to the kid. Uh, he messed up. Like they're really pounding at home. Like he, he's 19 years old at the time. This, this is a bit much. I feel bad for the kid, but you think about the amount of opportunities the Warriors have had this entire season to just get Draymond and Steph and you know the whole crew together with James Wiseman and just work on some basic stuff, work on some sets. Hey, James, you want to be looking here when the ball comes here and this guy's here? Just stuff like that. And this is obviously rather uncharted territory for the Warriors, uh, not just with you know trying to develop a young player into an impact guy, but beyond that, a center. But they, they have had so few opportunities when you don't have them for training camp. That's when they put in 95% of their stuff. And the, because the schedule has been so condensed, they've barely had any practice time. And they've barely had any practice time up on top of that with Draymond and Steph when they're both healthy and capable of being out there so that James Wiseman can see what it looks like when those two are on the court with them. So um, you would... <sighs> I do think that it can be extremely fruitful. I do think that that puts some pressure on the situation, though. It better be fruitful right. because if it's not, if he doesn't get to kind of where the Warriors need him to be, which is that's a low bar while an important one, a low bar, just a, a positive player, a guy that you can trust for 24 minutes a game. Uh, if he can't get there after a full training camp, if he can't get there after a full summer league, which I would imagine he plays a full summer league, even if he has to score 45 points per game, sure. if he can't do it, uh, with a full preseason, then the Warriors have issues. And um, by then, 
I'm not sure if he's going to be as solid an asset as he is right now. Right. And we're already dealing with the used car or, you know, the, yeah, the used car principle where the second you drive that bad boy off the lot, a new car off the lot, it becomes yep. a used car and lost 30% of its value because how many teams are out there really looking for a young five? And you've lost the upside, right? When, when we're using the phrase ceiling, we're talking about possible potential. We're not sure. Every totally. single day that he goes through the development and we see where he is, we're not talking about possible anymore. You know, right. they've got a sense of it. That makes, that makes sense to me. Um, let me give you another question, different direction. And it might be the most important one I'm going to ask you today, but okay. it, it requires a little bit of background. So you've done it with us before. We do the Warriors Oracle section where we take questions and occasionally they veer into personal topics. And yeah. last time we recorded, we did one of those and it was a personal topic. It, the, uh, the listener asked all of us, had we ever cheated on a test? And our then guest, Kristen Peake, guessed on whether or not she thought any of us would cheat. So it came to me and nobody even paused, Dieter. Everyone's like, yes, 100% yes. <laughs> and I said, I said, yes. And even your laughter makes it seem like you agreed with them, which you bet. The, then came to Marcus and Kristen guessed yes for Marcus and Marcus admitted to it and he gave us actually a, a pretty entertaining story about how he cheated and where he brought the uh, the test answers from. Yeah. And then it came to Maxime. All right. My now Maxime goodness. said that he did in fact cheat, right? But he hedged it, Dieter. He went out of his way and was like, look, I only cheated once. And the reason <laughs> I cheated was because the proctor of the test fell asleep and everybody else in the classroom right. started cheating. So I, I don't you know, I just kind of got behind it. Now, when he did it and he said that, I just accepted it. Fine. We moved on. Then we started getting follow-ups and, and people have been writing us saying, look, you shady motherfuckers, Bram and, and uh, Marcus. Yeah, you guys are cheaters. But Maxime, not really. You know, like he just went oh, along with the count. crowd. Okay, so that's why I'm bringing it to you. I say BS, dude. Of course he was a cheater. Yes. He, he was taking answers from somebody else. It doesn't matter if the proctor was awake, in the room, out of the room. He's a cheater. But Maxime, I've confronted with. I've seen him since. I brought all this up to him. And he, he stood by it. He, he was like, no, I, you know, the absolutely. I'm, I am less culpable than you and Marcus. So Ooh. be our decision maker, man. <laughs> I, I say there's no question this dude's a cheater, but what do you say? It is, is he any less culpable? I think there's a level, there's less culpability. Oh, no, I, dear, it's, no. it's marginal. Listen, he is still very much. You're feeling sick from the COVID vaccine. I could tell, man. You know what? Let's save this question. We'll just do this next week. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I do, I do think, listen. Maxime, you're a cheater. Like, there's no question about it. You're you're in on it. That's fine. But it's a little different when you would have had to take a moral stance in that room that day to say, <laughs> I will not cheat, as opposed to, to Marcus and Bram, who went into that room taking the opposite moral stance as everybody else maintained their innocence uh, against that. Like, that's, that's the difference. You would have been the outlier by not cheating. So... What's the harm? Like they can't catch us all as opposed to, to Bram and Marcus, where you guys, you guys were, you guys were screwing over That's your classmates. Fair. You were messing up is the it, curve. But is it possible, Dieter, that he went in, Maxine went into every test before that with the intention, you know what? I might cheat. And he's like, oh no, they're going to catch me. They're going to catch me. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to. And yeah. then he went into this one and the person wasn't there. And he's like, I can finally do it. In which case, <laughs> culpability is the same across the board. Marcus, you and I are getting dragged through the mud here. Dude. I, where, where are you on this? Is, do you think that he is any less culpable us because that practice was asleep? Because I say no way. Not at all. 
He definitely is a cheater. Everybody else who thinks he's less culpable because of that is just lying, and they probably were in the class cheating with Maxime. Right along with him. Who knows? Maybe Maxime gave that proctor some sleeping pills. I mean, he could <laughs> See, that, be that would be a level of culpability shady. that I can't even fathom. That would be that'd be ten x the culpability. <laughs> that's that's Maxime. taking somebody else out. Okay, that's Maxime. That's actually what he admitted to me that day. Maxime, go ahead, go public, man. This is your shot. If, if you'd like to defend yourself, <laughs> admit that you were just a cheating piece of ass. I mean up to you, dude, however you want to handle this. Okay, I'm not a cheater, so we can get that out of the way right now. Oh, okay, well, that, that, that's where you're wrong. You are. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean you cheated. That's what cheater means is someone who cheated, and you did, in fact, cheat. <sighs> Whatever. There, was a, there were a lot of allegations flying around. I want to just first speak to the whole moral conundrum. I mean, it's sort of like saying people that believe in heaven and hell aren't doing things that they think will send them to hell, not because they're worried about being morally wrong, but because they don't want to go to hell. And I'm like, well, you know, in that kind of case, like, I think the ends kind of justify the means. And I don't want to be in a position. Look, here's what's happened. Is that class... Um, scored astoundingly well on this test. Shocking. Right? Shocking. And the since whole, they took the, the test together. This, I mean, right. And the school what was pumped, right? So could you imagine me being the one asshole that got like an F on this test when everybody else is getting A's and like what that would mean for just the course of my life, you know? I mean, at a certain point, we, we all are culpable in, you know, in wider systems. Like it's like saying is like, you know, Bram, are you and I responsible for all of the drones strikes that have killed civilians in other countries i mean kind of right because we elected the government ultimately even if we didn't vote for them what the fuck are you talking about this has gotten really deep we're talking about theology and drone strikes (laughs) it feels like a lot of whataboutism in fact i'm out maxine is now just as culpable as everybody (laughs) else hundred percent yeah no this is this is not this is not good i'm out he he this is very defensive very defensive and i'm starting to wonder if he was given sleep listen this is how bram operates this is his, this is his life as he puts people in these defensive positions. I'm just trying to explain the, the scenario. Now, Dieter, have you in fact considered his drone argument? Because you may <laughs> want to factor in the we are responsible for all the world's drone strikes. Have, did you consider that before you turned on him? Well, yeah. I mean, once I logged off the, the drone pilot app and came on to Zoom, I, I realized that, you know, he, he might have a point with me. Yeah. I, no, I'm not going to consider that point. I mean, it, this is the argument of the basis of that argument is like maybe we should change society and it's like well in order to change society you have to be a part of it so you're culpable for society like it's not really how it plays with me i'm no theologian i am no uh sociologist i'm none of this stuff uh so you probably shouldn't have asked me this question i I can stick with i can stick with pick and roll though we gotta remember maxime also wasn't didn't feel he was culpable for accidentally dropping a hammer on somebody's head going up a ladder (laughs) oh damn Damn, you cold blooded, man. Yeah. yeah, but to be fair, that woman called in forty percent of the drone strikes on Earth. So I mean, <laughs> you know, what I mean, if you don't want to drop a hammer on her, man, I don't know who you want to drop a hammer on. Back to the Warriors, and it's a nasty question, but it's a uh, a question whose answer I want. Gentlemen, is Steve Kerr still the right coach for Golden State? Probably not. Why? The lack of pragmatism that I have seen has been jarring this season. And uh, I'll defend Steve in this regard. 
he did not sign up for this crap. Yep. He didn't sign up for it. A lot of people like to point to Steve and say he's the disciple of Greg Popovich. And the Warriors love to point to Steve and say that and say, we're going to be the Spurs 2.0. Um, Greg Popovich didn't have a choice but to develop and you know find diamonds in the rough. Uh, he didn't have a choice because San Antonio is not attracting any free agents. The Warriors we're doing it both ways, right? They, they want to develop and all this stuff, except they never developed anybody. And the way that they have been successful outside of drafting exceptionally well for three guys uh, has been free agency. And with, you know, uh, Iguodala up to Durant, Steve is also a disciple of Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson when he saw the situation that the warriors are currently in, when he saw that stuff developing with the bulls, when he saw that, he just bounced. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to put up with this stuff. I'm not built for this. This is not what I signed up for. I take good and make it great. I don't take bad and make it good. And Steve, I don't believe, I really don't believe this, is a coach that can take bad and make it good. I think Steve is a coach that can take good and make it great. And I still do believe that. Now, Steve is not the right te- right coach for this team with this personnel We'll just call it what, what it is. Low IQ players, uh, whether that be, you know, whether they're experienced or not, low IQ players, guys who can't dribble, guys who can't pass, guys who can't defend. That's not Steve Kerr's team. This is not a team that can even come close to winning a title. And a, a young team is certainly not what Steve Kerr signed up for because much like the veteran players on the team said, I'm not babysitting James Wiseman and trying, you know, going to give up my touches and what we know is good basketball to make sure that he gets, you know, good, you know, good scoring situations. Just like that is the case. Steve, Steve is looking at this and going, man, I, I don't need, I don't need a, a center who can't pass. Like my system was exceptional and, while you could argue that that system might be past its time, it is certainly not the best system for the players he has now. He was not given the right team for his system. And again, you can as I as I alluded to, hey, he has not been very pragmatic. Maybe he needs to change the system, or maybe they need to change the team. And they still have the ability to get the kind of veteran players that fit a Steve Kerr system into San Francisco before next season. They can pull that off this summer. And so I I do think that the Warriors need to make a decision right here and right now. Is Steve Kerr the coach? And and I think that everybody in the organization, given the success that he's had, given how much he's loved in that organization, given the culture that he sets for that organization, they're going to say yes. And then they need to look at the last two years and say, okay, what do we need to get so that we get the most out of Steve Kerr? And by then, by proxy, the most out of Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, and in the future, Clay Thompson. And if that means trading Wiseman, even at a discount, that means trading the Minnesota pick, even at a discount, getting in the kind of veteran players who can play in Steve Kerr's system and can help Steph Curry win games in the here and now, even if it does all blow up at the end of it, um, so be it. But if we're talking about this team and sort of this path that they have where they're trying to win now but also develop, and so they're never going to be good enough to win a title, but they're never going to be bad enough to not make the playoffs and so that Joe Lacob can just keep asses in the seats in perpetuity, if that's the team, if that's the model, if that's the way forward, then Steve Kerr is not the right coach. And honestly, 
I don't think the Warriors are going to have to fire him if that's the case. I think that Steve Kerr will say, I don't need this and pull a Phil Jackson and go hang out in Montana for a while. We unfortunately agree, um, but let me flesh it out a different way. So I'm too much of a homer to house curve, so I'm going right. to let somebody else do it for me. Yeah, This is uh, <laughs> Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer tweeted out this today, quote, adaptability is the hallmark of sustained success in sports history. The Warriors still use the same system from years ago. Little has changed despite new personnel, and the team is struggling. Is this a soft tank or a failure to adapt? And it's that question that's at the heart for me, whether or not they should go forward with Steve Kerr. And this is where I stand on your shoulders and basically stay the same thing. When, when you've reached the tip top of your profession, generally speaking, you figured out exactly what you're good at. Uh, look at medicine, right? A phenomenal uh, cardiological surgeon is really good at just doing hearts. He couldn't help you with a foot problem, but he could really help you with a heart problem. When you are an NBA coach, it's not that you're great at every system that's out there. Is that you are great at the team that's in front of you and you can develop that in particular problem, right? Mm -hmm. You know how to deal with this personnel. I don't know. I mean, we know for certain, just as you said, that Kerr is great at taking established veterans who may or may not get along in the locker room, make them get along, and then increase a good product to an amazing product. We don't know if he's good at developing young players. He probably isn't. He will probably tell you that uh, himself. And what we don't know right now is what the hell do the Warriors want? You know, are, are they trying to develop Wiseman? Is that the main goal for this season? Are they trying to maintain this system that he has had because they want to be the same team next year that they were the four years before? And until we know that, until we know what direction they want to go, I think it's really hard to define whether or not Steve Kerr is the captain to get the boat to get there, if that makes any sense. I'm with you, and I think we can take it one step further. Does Steve want to put his foot down? Yeah. Does Steve want to say, hey, this isn't working, and it won't work, and uh, I have enough self-awareness as a coach to know I can't get this kid to where you want him to be. And so the question that, you know, Bob Myers, who's obviously a very good friend, the entire front office with Joe Lake up has to answer is if Steve Kerr can't get this guy to where he wants to go. And, and Steve, I don't know if he's being a yes man or not on this sort of a thing, but if he can't get him to where, you know, they want him to go, which is he is the guy who wins championships when Steph Curry is long into the broadcast booth or playing golf on the champions tour or something. If that's, if he's not that guy, if Steve Kerr can't get him there in these first three years, like just like in child development and player development, the same thing, they are critical. How you set off these first three years are damn near everything. Yep. And we're, we're losing one. I mean, one, I, I don't know if James Wiseman is any better today than when he came into the NBA. And that is jarring to say out loud, but if Steve Kerr can't get him there, then the Warriors have to make a call. Are they going to be about the player and Wiseman? Are they going to go all in on James Wiseman? Because you, you can see these hints every now and again that they want to go all in on James Wiseman. And damned Curry, damn Draymond, Dram, damn Clay Thompson, and damn Steve Kerr in the yeah. process. Or are they going to let Steve Kerr ha you know, have the kind of team that he wants to have, run the kind of system that he wants to have, and let the results be as they may. And they'll probably be pretty good. Maybe. We'll see.
Maxime, two-part follow-up. Part one, have you cheated at all since the last time we heard your voice? Part two, do you still believe in Steve Kerr? Well, obviously not because I'm not a cheater to part one. Um, but part two, this so there's a, there's a lot of nuance to, um, to this question, and I'll try to keep it simple because um, I believe in Steve Kerr as the coach for Stephen Curry. And I still believe that that's the most important thing that the Warriors are doing right now. Have they made some mistakes? Especially, yes, in terms of uh, how they've developed Wiseman, given the necessary intention of making sure that this team is as primed for Steph to succeed again as possible. Look, Joe Lacob is an exceptional businessman. He knows exactly that the thing that is going to make him the most money is Stephen Curry being successful. It doesn't matter. Like We're never going to have... James Wiseman is never going to ascend to the level of... Of a Steph Curry. Now, maybe like a Jalen Suggs, especially with that 40, 40 foot buzzer beater um, that looked like a beautiful shot um, uh, against, uh, against UCLA. You know, there's some potential there. But I think overall, that's something to count on. Stephen Curry is something to count on. What I see is look, let's get some young talent and then let's package that for a great trade for a player that's in their prime right now that we can put beside Steph Curry. Clay Thompson in whatever position he's going to be in next year, or whatever shape he's going to be in, I should say, and Draymond Green, and go out and actually chase another ring. And look, let's let's move it past Steve Kerr too. I want to make the point also that Bob Myers is not somebody that's known for being a um, a scout. He was brought mm-hmm. into the general manager position after basically having a great career as as an NBA agent, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where he was known for developing contracts and bringing in great talent. And that's exactly what he was asked to do within this front office. So there's, there's nobody, right, from Steve Kerr to Bob Myers that is in a position to say, yeah, let's, like, let's build a team from scratch. They're here, to Dieter's point, to make a good team great. And I think that everything that they're doing, save some of this weirdness with how they've treated James Wiseman so far, to start has been all about collecting assets to make sure that they can package things to uh, maximize Stephen Curry's prime. I feel like you stole that answer from somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, man. That was good. I just couldn't help myself. Go ahead. It's good stuff. Sometimes I I watch the the Warriors in in the way that Curry uses Wiseman. And I wonder if Steve's trying to make a point, right? Like I said, Mm -hmm. the Steve need to put his foot down, but sometimes I watch him and it's almost like he's letting the kid drown so that he points to the front office and says, I can't, I can't do anything with this. Mm. He can be successful somewhere else, but he ain't going to be successful here. And um, I know, well, I would sure hope that that's not his, you know, front of mind intent. And I really would doubt it just given that that's not how Steve thinks. Steve's not vindictive like that. He's inadvertently sending the same message by not playing him in crunch time. Maybe, maybe, maybe the message should be received then that yeah. this isn't working and that this isn't the right guy. So it's just a question of maybe we can boil it down even further, right? I, I, I Maybe I was a little bit too wishy-washy with my answer. The Warriors need to decide if they want to have Steve Kerr or James Wiseman because near the two uh, shall work together in yeah. an effective manner. And uh, I know where I would go with that. But uh, listen, I, I think that the argument – for keeping Wiseman and maybe dropping Kerr uh, has some credence now, whereas earlier in the season, uh, and this has very little to do with Wiseman, but earlier in the season, I would have laughed you laughed you off the floor. Um, now, give, again, given the lack of pragmatism, he's, there's going to have to be some pragmatism here. Uh, we're going to have to see something to that regard. Given that lack of pragmatism, man, I, I, I just wonder. I just wonder if that would be the right decision to, to stick with Kerr over Wiseman, even though we're all wholly not impressed with with James Wiseman 
and how he's performed and how he's developed this first season. Let me give you the same question through a different lens. Yeah. Um, we've all kind of been talking about it, but let me just put a fine point on it and then see if we agree. So right now, the Warriors are trying to have their cake and eat it too. They, mm-hmm. they recognize that Steph's window is wide open and should be for the next three or four years, and they want to get at least one more title then. But then they also recognize there's, there's this future window, Wiseman and the Minnesota picks window, that they want to keep alive, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a mistake? If you were Bob Myers, if you're the person in front or in charge of this front office, would you continue to try to have two title windows or would you focus only on Steph's? Well, I, I would personally focus only on Steph's because I don't believe that you have a title-winning backbone with Wiseman and, I guess, mystery box player. Uh, and, and the likelihood that those guys develop into title backbone players is slim on the mere basis of you need to be truly exceptional to be a title contending player. Um, You know, we we know Carl Anthony Towns is as talented as any player in the league at the center position. How's that working out for Minnesota? Um, It's there's a lot of really good players that won't ever sniff the NBA finals unless they want to go be a bench player on a team late in their career. So I would absolutely go all in on Steph because if you don't, you're essentially saying that, (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're taking him for granted. You're essentially saying, Hey, you know, we, we can go win titles later. The hell you can, right. um, you know, the, say what you will. Everyone goes, well, the, the Spurs did it. Yeah. And how many of those didn't involve Tim Duncan, a grand total of zero. Um, so it's, that's what I would do. I do think that uh, I need to reframe your reframing to, to ask this. Is it really Bob Myers's call? Sure. I, I mean, why? Who should make that decision in your mind? Uh, I know that Joe Lacob is yeah. very keen on the uh, the multiple window model and that that's how they want to play things. There's more money coming in, right? 100%. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, that's what you're talking about is 20 years of season tickets as opposed to the next four. The irony is that they already have everybody paid up for 30. But um, it's <laughs> it's it's one of these things where that is for business the best possible thing. There's also an incredibly faulty uh, and, and dramatically overlooked aspect of all of this, which is Steph Curry is 33, 34 years old, and James Wiseman is 20. Um, the middle ground is Andrew Wiggins. Like that, <laughs> like that just doesn't sure. right. that, that doesn't work. The way that the, the way that I was best able to describe it, and I've thrown this off of people, and they they agree, people who know better, uh, and they agree. It's sort of like a three hill model. And um, stay with me here. The first hill is Steph and Draymond and Clay. And uh, I we're seeing now Draymond is coming down the hill. Steph is still at his apex. Uh, and who knows when it when he starts sliding down and clay is going to be sliding down the hill. He's coming off of two catastrophic leg injuries. It'd be ridiculous to think that clay Thompson is going to just magically be old clay Thompson. We're all crossing our fingers because everybody loves clay, but uh, that would, that would be the more unlikely of the two possible outcomes. So they're coming down the first hill, right? And that means that they got another two, maybe three years of title contention. If that, if they're even title contenders and there's a lot to, uh, be said about if that's you know the case or not. We, we don't really know, and right now I would venture to say probably not. I mean, you would have to make some very serious improvements beyond adding Clay Thompson. Uh, so then there's the second hill, right? And the second hill is Andrew Wiggins. 
listen, Andrew's been uh, fine. He has been aggressively fine. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen a player that talented mixed with that passive. And uh, he's he's going to be in it going into his ninth year in the NBA next year. I'm going to venture to say that this is what he is, which is, again, just fine. As what he has been and probably what he will be. <laughs> this is this is him. He is Canadian to the core. He will say sorry before he drives <laughs> to the basket. Um, it is, and, and everyone goes, oh, that's a bad stereotype about Canadians. I recommend you spend more time with Canadians because that stereotype <laughs> is underselling it. Um, it is... That That is not a second hill that then gets you to this hill where at age 26, 27, 28, and by the way, 26 early for a prime, but you know, given the fact that they're coming in so early, age 26, 27, 28 with the Minnesota pick, whatever pick they get this year, uh, and Wiseman, that that would be you know coming to a top right as kind of Wiggins goes down. Like That's just not – he is not a bridge between no. those two generations. And that it just doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense. It's not a model. And so what you're saying is, oh, well, in five, six, seven years, those guys will be really good and they can start contending. But we have basically what you're pre- you're presuming is you have five, six, seven years with Steph and Draymond. No, you don't. You have as many years as Steph can continue to play at an MVP level, because if that guy takes a step back, Draymond's already seven steps past him and it's all coming down. It's coming down like a house of cards. Uh, and, and maybe Steph is the one guy. I don't know how you're supposed to age when you're Steph Curry, because there's never been a Steph Curry. But for everyone who says he could you know, be incredible up until age 40, I also have to say it could fall off a cliff at the end of the year. I don't know which one, and it's probably somewhere in the middle. But, geez, like that is, that is a lot to put on him when you don't have that second crest. Get the guy some help today, right now, because the help that you already have in that first hill with Draymond and Clay, you cannot rely on. On to help Steph contend for a championship. He needs more. And if it's overly abundant, so be it. They've been in that situation before. Uh, go out and get that guy. But this whole sort of we're going to develop and we're going to win titles at the same time, this is an, an incredible way to be the seven seed forever. Yep. And uh, You mean that, like they were under Cohan? Uh, I mean, that's I mean, no order truth right be told, yeah, it's kind of yep. like that, except uh, with, 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 with old Cohen, like you didn't have the good times to rem- remind you of uh, of what it should be. I mean, Steph Curry. I would. It is a very classic conundrum. Is it better to flame out or fade away? And in the NBA, where everything changes every goddamn summer, the answer is very clear: you flame out. You absolutely flame out because if you're any good, if you have any the Brooklyn Nets should have been defunct with all the bad trades that they made for the first what 10 years of the Prokhorov era or whatever and they are just back they just figured it out they made it work after everything cleared away the Lakers had like two bad years ever I mean they just they figured it out if you are as big a market as important a team as you make yourselves out to be and the Warriors you know what when they when they Talk the talk. You can't say that they don't walk the walk. They shouldn't have to fear about reloading whenever this Steph Draymond Clay add player in 
era is over. They shouldn't have to fear about it because they're a great franchise and great franchises attract great players and great players do great things. They shouldn't have to worry about it. This is the kind of crap that San Antonio has to worry about because nobody's going to San Antonio and most people that are in San Antonio won't stay in San Antonio. Even Tim Duncan thought I'd go to Orlando. And the fact of the matter is that Tim Duncan considered going to Orlando over San Antonio. And that tells you everything you need to know about San Antonio's ability to bring in free agents that Orlando seemed like a better option. So the Warriors need to, you know, pull their britches up a little bit here, understand, you know, Hey, if you are, you know, light years is, is long past us. If you are as good as you think you are, and they think they're pretty damn good. And I think that they have a lot of reason to think that they're pretty damn good. Push the chips into the middle of the table and understand that you're only going to get one Steph Curry they and have to. multiple generations. They they have to. They have to go all in now. And I'll give you three quick reasons why I agree with you. Reason number one, Steph Curry is the greatest basketball player we are ever going to watch as Warriors fans. Correct. Period. Point blank. That's Full it. Stop. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter who they get in the Minnesota pick. We can fast forward 20 years. We can fast forward 50 years. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best player you are going to see playing for the Golden State Warriors. That's what it means when we say franchise player. That's what it means when we say generational player. Yes. This is it. This is the if apex. Not, if not for Wilt Chamberlain, you can make the argument he's the greatest player. Yeah. Like That's the only guy that you're talking about. For Wilt sure. Chamberlain, who many people, I think, rightfully consider the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, uh, we can get into a lot of nuance with that, but like Wilt Chamberlain I, was once in a sport history. And unless we get a time time machine, he's not coming back. So we exactly. know for sure, right, <laughs> that Steph is going to be the best guy and give us our best shot at a title going forward. Number percent. two, I spent 30 years hoping on future talent as a Warriors fan. Every single year, we looked at the draft class. We hoped mm-hmm. to tank. We mm-hmm. thought someone was going to come in. They didn't. Mm-hmm. The idea of assuming that there's going to that Wiseman is going to become the statue we've been talking about or that the Minnesota pick is going to be as high as Steph is a mistake. You yes. cannot assume that's coming. And then finally three, there's a whole level of player, you know, the a second hill to use your terminology mm-hmm. before the Wiseman window becomes open. There's the right. Lucas, there's the Bookers, there's the Zions, there's the Mitchell Donovan or Donovan Mitchells of the world. Mm-hmm. So If what we have right now is the best player that is ever going to be playing for our team with no guarantee that that kind of title is coming or that that kind of talent is coming back and there's a whole nother wave of players that are getting ready to have their title window, then yes, I think we need to go all in right now. MT, where do you side on this? Are are we making sense to you or are we being a little rash? Um, I mean, there's a lot in there. I I think... It's, Ain't that the truth? Can, yeah, can they do both title windows? If if it was up to you, is it a mistake to try to be developing? I mean, it's basically three players. Well, I, right? I think it's, I think it's even a, a more direct question than that. They seem to think that they can compete and develop at the same time. Is that possible? Can they do that? Yeah, I think the answer is no, and I think the yep. the <laughs> title windows like are they? Can they have two windows? Like it's. They're different windows in different houses, so they just have to pick a house to be in. Like they, yeah. they're call. not in the same house. So, um, I mean, just full circle for all the stuff that's been going on. S- Steve Kerr, I think, is the right coach. I think Dieter's point that he's a good coach from a for a good to great team, but not a bad to good team, is spot on. And I think next season, adding in Clay, fingers crossed, he's back. 
is makes them in the consideration of a really good team. Oh boy. So I think he's the he's the right coach for that. I, you look around, like, who else would you put in there? Like, Brad Fair. Stevens was this great coach, and Boston's struggling. Like, Popovich, San Antonio's not winning any more titles, and he's, you know, one of the greatest coaches to ever do it. You look around, like, who are the who would you replace him with that is just amazing at developing people? And I just don't – it feels like you would be – giving up a coach that you love 80% about and because he doesn't do this 20% and then you get this other coach and you realize you just gave up 80 for 20. (laughs) And like, I think the, you know, like at the end of, of the day when we like James Wiseman, not playing in the fourth quarter, you called that out. That's by design. That's always Mm -hmm. been that way. Our death lineup never played a center, you know, like next season, given clay is healthy, our ideal lineup, if everybody comes back, is Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Ubre, and Draymond running mm-hmm. around switching everything and shooting. And, you know, like Steph and Clay shooting the threes and Ubre and Wiggins slashing to the hole and Draymond. The hell did we take him at number two for then? If, if this guy's not a part of our closing plans. I mean, that that's a that's Ding. a huge problem, man. I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. He because was apparently the win now size. option. Yeah, we needed well, size. Like, no, you didn't. Are... <laughs> like that's the irony. Like you just made him JaVale. That, I mean, if, if that's by the way, JaVale him, was available. Yeah, right? I mean, he was JaVale-able. I don't. There's no. I mean, are you saying, MT, that when they picked him, literally, that's what they had envisioned? That what they wanted out of him was JaVale McGee, and they still took him at the two pick? No, I think they envision and they still do see him as a more talented offensive player than JaVale. And I think to Dieter's earlier point, like they need he needs to be in a situation where he has an off season and can work on all the, all the things that fit into the system. Right now he's playing like he always plays the the focal point of an offense when he gets the ball he like puts tunnel vision on like he doesn't look to pass he he, you can tell he's thinking like okay what move do I go to to get around the person who's guarding me like this like as soon as you can get the game to slow down like I was wondering I was gonna throw out there like do we send him to the G League I know that's a crazy thing to say for a number two pick, but you see what it did for Jordan Poole's confidence, just being able to go down there and play regularly and play against people and build your confidence back up. And then Jordan Poole goes back, you know, up and starts averaging 20 points, given that it's a small sample size. But he was doing it because he had confidence in what he was doing and he was just doing the same thing just against stronger competition. So I think it's one of those things where you just need to give Wiseman the right amount of time. But He needs time. I, I completely yeah. agree with that, but I disagree with the death lineup part. I feel like that fourth quarter and him not playing against Atlanta is an illustration of that two houses thing you were saying with Steve Kerr. I think when they took him, his ability to score at three levels, his athleticism, all that stuff – was why they thought, even though he was a center, he could still be a part of their closing lineup. It's why they put him at number two. But to get him there, they needed to develop, and in order to develop, he needs minutes. And we ran into the fourth quarter, and we saw the two houses, right? On one side, we need to develop him. But on the other side, they still kind of win. And they decided to go with the (laughs) win as opposed to the development. It feels like like they flip-flop between. It reminds me of uh, when I, I, I bought my house in Alameda, but I still had 
my apartment in Oakland and I was just flip-flopping back and forth between the two houses yeah, right. throughout the day. Oh, I'll bring something over now. Well, you know what? I, I want to be over here to do this yeah, thing. I want the advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I just constantly moving back and forth. And eventually I'm just like, no, I live in this house now. And every, I, I only sleep in this house. I only like all this crap. They, the amount of times in that Atlanta game alone that they, that Kerr in particular couldn't decide what they were about that day was jarring. And I, I mean, it, it, snip, snap, snip, snap. I mean, how much can a man take here? And yeah. uh, it's it's rough goings, which is why I think that ultimately in these final 20-something games, they just it, it's, it can't really get much worse. Um, it's not really going to get that much better. Just pick a direction. Just pick a direction, and it's probably development at this juncture. Just pick think, one and go. But I think I think Maxime's point too earlier about Bob Myers is getting lost. Like I know Steve mm-hmm. Kerr is the head coach, and he catches a lot of the blame. And you know, like we look at him, but I think Bob Myers needs to do better of giving Steve the players that fit his system. You know, like one of the things that made Popovich so you know successful was that. You know, R.C. Buford would give him the players that he needed that fit into a system. You know, there was a certain type of Spurs player. And even if you were really good at basketball, if you didn't fit that system, you were out. Mm -hmm. So I think the same thing has to happen for Steve Curry. He has this system and he's shown that it can be successful. And then if you're not able to to go out and get the players that you need, like our quiet trade deadline activity was disappointing, not because we kept Kelly Oubre like I think that was the right move it was because the only thing we did was get rid of two players that weren't playing anyway and it's like Mm -hmm. if you're going to be aggressive and go all in for Steph's window like do something like we have a DPE we have some mid-level you know money left over like if you're going to go for it if you have the green light from Lakeup then you know, it doesn't seem like it. Maybe we don't have it, and that's just well. Know. I mean, the luxury tax implications are are yeah. pretty heavy. Um, they they were ready they to let that that uh, Andrew Godala traded player exception expire. They were going to let it expire, and then Clay got injured, and they go, "Well, we need a we need a shooting guard. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to get somebody, and so we'll use that because that's the only mechanism. I, I don't want to let Bob off the hook or anything because right, they right, right. they have not done a good job in getting bench players, role players, young oh. players. I Here, mean, let me read you guys another another tweet because this also yeah. puts Bob on the hook. This is from Reddit Warriors, and it's a quote from Andrew Bogut's podcast, Rogue oh Bogues. This is from Reddit. Quote, I have it on, or this is via Reddit from Bogut. Quote, I have it on good authority that they, talking about the Warriors, had an offer actually for Lonzo Ball, and I think a throw-in, a pick for Ubre, And the Warriors turned it down, funnily enough. But I thought that was a pretty good deal to shed some salary and get a pick back. Um, if that's real, if the Warriors could have coughed up Uber and got back ball, should they have? A hundred percent, yes. But I don't honestly believe that. A, if he didn't, because I agree with you, then no. I think Bob Myers is also building two goddamn houses. You know, I mean, to to back what? Well, what, he's got to do what the boss says. He and wants and two that's houses. the problem. Yeah, and and your view on Lakeup, if that that actually makes more sense to me now. So if there has been this disconnect, if none of us can figure out, well, why the hell are if if the Warriors can win now, but they're not deciding to do what they can to win now. You know, if if, if they've mm-hmm. got a system in place with Kerr, they've got the players now. Why not just go all the way in? But they're still focusing on the future, and I don't understand why. Well, one of the rationale Dieter gave to us during today's podcast, one I hadn't thought about. It's that their focus isn't necessarily winning as many titles as they can over the next five years. Their focus is on making as much money as they can over the life of Chase Center. 
You know, and if those two things actually coincide, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then Lacob may prefer the concept of high ticket prices 10 years from now as opposed to winning titles in the next three. Um, It's it's important to remember, too, that the Warriors built Chase Center with their own money. Why? Because they got bills. Yeah. (laughs) It's one it's one thing when, you know, as ridiculous as this sounds, this is what happens in other places. It's one thing if the city of San Francisco shoveled out a billion and a half dollars through some hotel tax or something to build uh, Chase Center for the Warriors. They'd be gravy. They could do whatever the hell they wanted. It's all found money. That ain't found money. They built that house and they got to put in the window. They got to pay for everything, everything. And um, there are bills that are being paid. It's not like they paid for it in cash. They got they got stuff. That's why they have a 30 year uh, seat license situation. They, they got they got stuff they got to pay off. And uh, it is good for business to pay for good teams. Don't get me wrong. Like Joe Lacob is still going to say they don't have a choice at this juncture. They're clearly you know going to stay in the luxury tax. They're going to pay for good basketball because they can afford it, given, you know, tickets and all that. And, and when we get back to it next year, there will be, you know, Guys paying a lot of money to go. And if it's not even full capacity next year, guess what? They'll just find the difference just in the same way the A's are charging out the ears for tickets this year because there's fewer people, even though it's pretty much the same amount of people. It's um, it. This is a business through and through. And the Warriors, much like Steph Curry, when he said, uh, I don't have anything left to prove. I have a lot I want to accomplish, but I don't have anything left to prove. And uh, forgive me if I'm getting that wrong, but the, the gist is clear. The, the Warriors' ownership is in the same boat. Who, who could say that Joe Lacob hasn't been a brilliant custodian for the Golden State Warriors, that he hasn't been a great CEO? I know he's not the full owner, but let's just say, you know, or governor. But who, how can you say that he hasn't been the right person to buy that team? Um, they had a half decade of absolute dominance, the likes of which should not be possible in the modern NBA. Right. And the result of that is this incredible building in San Francisco, but that building had, again, they paid for it. They went through all the trouble. They're the ones who had to go on the overages. They're the ones who had to fight tooth and nail. They're the ones who have to pay Rick Welts a lot of money to be the great president of the golden state warriors. They're the ones who have to, you know, acquire all this talent, not just on the basketball side, but on the business side, because it's a big time business, it's a billion, billion, billion dollar business. And, uh, they don't need to win any more titles with Steph Curry. They don't have to do squat. They're already a great business. They've gone from $600 million net value to $7 billion or something like that, $5 billion. Uh, they're already a great business. But this notion of you know having a reasonable plus success sort of in perpetuity is a pipe dream. That's not how the league is built to work. And, uh, and and certainly the way they're going about it wouldn't be the way that you would make that happen. So while it, it would make perfect sense as to why that would be the business model, let's just stay above average. We'll give ourselves a puncher's chance every year, and we'll see if we can come out on top every now and again. Uh, and that will make sure that we always have Chase Center bumping. That will make sure that we're able to pay the bills. Not like there's an issue of them going insolvent or anything, but you know, keep the profit margins, the places where they want them to be. Uh, th- that that That's the best business model. But it is completely underestimating the chaos that is the NBA. And a chaos that the Warriors, truth be told, helped bring about and haven't had to participate in all that often 
until the last couple of years because they were so above above the fray, they didn't have to get into it. This is the fray. And the fray means that you got to be all in because if you are not all in on winning, you are all in on losing. That's the only two ways it goes this day. Media mediocrity just does not have a place in the modern NBA. And the Warriors are setting themselves up to be mediocre because again, one one thing that we do know, one thing that we can say and has not changed in the last five, six, seven years is that the only teams that win titles are veteran teams. And this Warriors team is young and they're trying to get younger and the old guys are getting older and not as good as maybe they once were, save for Steph Curry and who knows how long that lasts. This is this is just heading into a bad place if, if it, it stays on the current tracks, whereas they can easily solve this problem in the short term and probably be in just as good of a situation long term if they just go all in right now. Dieter, I'm still jealously resentful of your vaccinated status, but <laughs> I really enjoyed your warrior takes, man. Um, and Thanks, I know man. I'm not the only person feeling that way. For those out there who need more Kurtenbach in their life, tell us where to go. At Dieter on Twitter, D-I-E-T-E-R, and uh, San Jose Mercury News, East Bay Times. I post all the columns on the Twitter machine, and you can find them there, or you can go to a newspaper website or pick up a physical newspaper and read me there. Uh, All of these options readily available to you. I'm on KMBR every now and again, and if you are up in the morning, I do a show on the Locker Room app called Sports in the Morning. We go on at around 8 a.m., and uh, there's no other way to say this. We just shoot the shit for about an hour every morning and, and figure out the most important issues of the day and somehow make them stupider if you are by some miracle not tired of my voice or our takes we can be found on twitter at warriors huddle and if you want to i don't know support maxine's cheating tell us we did a good job bad job communicate in any way shape or form hit us up on warriors huddle at gmail.com with that in mind the warriors hopefully we'll see you next week Good, good.